Take your Bibles out, please. Find Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. You should have a, a little handout to help follow along. If you do not, raise your hand and we'll get you one. We'll get one up here. Uncle Ryan, anybody else? <clears throat> Thank you for being here tonight. I want to continue our thought on the incredible miracle that happened in Acts chapter 2 when the early church was trying to figure out what they were supposed to do next. They were in a room, they were praying, they were praising, they were undoubtedly a little shaken as the result of the events that happened as we studied about on Sunday. After Jesus their friend, their pastor, teacher, king, ate with him, talked with him, walked with him, did life with him, and he was crucified and rose again. He promised that when he went to be with the Father, that he would send the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 is when that happened. That was a fulfillment of other prophecies. And I spent last week hopefully unpacking the reality that when you get saved, when you come to know Jesus, when you enter into a relationship with Him regarding the Holy Spirit, it's not just a one-and-done thing. Yes, He indwells you and empowers you and all of the beautiful, wonderful things that He does upon that salvation experience as you begin your journey with Him. But we are also commanded and will read that we are to be filled with the Spirit as we continue and Hopefully we can we we can leave here tonight with a better understanding of why I believe we need another Pentecost. Do you have Acts chapter two? If you don't, it should be in your handout. <clears throat> God, we bless your name and we thank you for the privilege to come into your house and to be able to read your word. God, we just bless the reading of your word. It is your word that contains the power by which men and women boys and girls can come under the beautiful conviction of the Holy Spirit 
and thus turn their lives completely over to you, wholly and fully surrendered to you. God, I pray that although we've read this passage before, we've heard this passage before, and and God, I pray that we would not read this passage and approach this amazing miracle through the lens of denominational bylaws and half-truths. I pray that we would approach it as it is written, period. We love you, Jesus. Speak to us through your word in the powerful name of the creator, the chosen one, the spotless lamb, the unchangeable, the king, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Acts chapter 2, let's read verses 1 through 8. Acts 2, 1 through 8. We'll start there. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers, all the believers, it's, it's important, all the believers, were meeting together in one place. Verse 2, suddenly, translated out of nowhere, in an instant, without warning, without a messenger going forth, unexpected, immediately, There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 5, at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Get this. When they heard the loud noise, I've always said when God does something unexpected and miraculous, I, 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 I don't know how the, the church can remain so quiet. This is This is a, This is such a beautiful picture. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and when they heard the loud noise, everyone, everyone, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can, they, how can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Amen. Amen. 
we have <clears throat> spent last week we kind of unpacked this scene uh, at Pentecost um, uh, the, the, the believe all the believers of that early church were in the room <clears throat> we we read where um, the Holy Spirit of God fell upon them um, they began to speak in tongues in the languages <clears throat> that they did not know before, but God gave them the ability to do that, to speak in languages and dialects they were not familiar with. But as I said last week, equally, I think the miracle was that everyone that came, and I will always emphasize that all the believers were in one place, and everyone that heard the noise came. Everyone that came was able to hear in their own language. I've had folks who want to <clears throat> condemn and discard the reality of all the gifts of the Spirit being operative and active, including this one. And... <clears throat> They say that the miracle was in the hearing, not in the speaking. I suggest it is twofold. There was the miracle of the speaking and the miracle of the healing, the hearing rather. And when you follow the life of Jesus, over and over again, he would say, if you've got ears, you need to hear. Those who have ears, hear this. He, he, he wants to do a miracle in our lives. And part of that and the gateway of much of that is us opening up our ears to hear him. Now, we understand that we're not physically walking with Jesus so that we could hear his audible voice but he can speak to us through the ears of our heart. Amen. We can see him through the eyes of our spirit. And so I suggest that it is foolish, at the least, dangerous, at the worst, to discount what happens in Acts chapter 2. It is pivotal in the beginning of the early church, and I suggest it is still pivotal in the church in 2019 and as we move forward. The reason I say we need another Pentecost is not so much because we <clears throat> need to be in a physical place where <clears throat> tongues like fire fell from heaven and you, you, we just read it. It, it, is, it, is, it is more the mindset that produced that. They had to be willing, all, all the people in the room had to be willing to receive whatever it was that God wanted to do at that moment. 
it, 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 God did not force the Spirit on these folks. And I, and I love the fact that as soon as they were filled with the Spirit, they got busy. As soon as they were filled with the Spirit, they began to go out and share the beautiful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can see in, in the early part of Acts where Peter just began to preach. And Peter was not a preacher beforehand. And his seminary experience consisted of him walking with Jesus. And as he walked with Jesus, he learned what it was he needed to share with the people. So what I want to do is not so much unpack the history behind the Pentecost. Uh, Simply, that, that word means 50th. There were a couple of other feasts that happened at the same time and throughout the Bible there was the feast of the harvest that that was the 50th year that also was at times called the feast of the Pentecost this this is not something that we're trying to reproduce in terms of manipulation I believe it's however something that will lead the church into revival if we will just be open enough to let God do whatever he wants to do. We must fall into alignment with Jesus Christ and God's word. Amen. Period. So what I want to do is I want to look at four ways that the early church was united They were united in such a way that it created an atmosphere where God could do what he came there to do. I pray this for living water every day. I'm so thankful for what he does. But I'm unsatisfied because I always wonder what he came to do, what else did he come to do? You'll see in your notes that I wrote that I think we need another Pentecost revelation. In other words, we've got to have our eyes opened again for the need to be filled with the Spirit of God. So we need a Pentecost revelation because that will bring about a revolution It will be revolutionary in the way we live. It will be revolutionary in the way we process data. It will be revolutionary in the way we study his word. It will be revolutionary in the way we have conversation. It will be revolutionary in our priorities. It will be revolutionary in every aspect of our life. So I think we need another Pentecost revelation which will bring about a revolution and that will result in revival. Unfortunately, and, and, I, and, I, and I speak um, as one who has been guilty of it, unfortunately the church has that backwards. They will schedule a revival, which by the way is impossible, but they will 
they will pray for revival so that it will bring about this revolution and get everybody pumped up so that they can go and then get more revelation about God. That doesn't work that way. It is the opposite. You must have a revelation about who God is, why he gave his son, what his purpose and plan is for the church, because were there not still work for us to do, serious work as the clock continues to tick, were it not necessary for us to be busy, he would have already taken us home. Amen. So we need another Pentecost. And it all happened through unity. If we want God's presence today, and and you do, I know you do, you're here because you do, but if we want the presence of God the way the early church experienced it, then, then we, as a church, we have to, we have to, we have to get in alignment with God. We've got to, we got to honor Him as the ultimate authority. We must honor our spiritual authority. We, 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 we've got to, we've, we've got to put ourselves in a place where we are blessable. We, 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 we can't keep just kind of skirting in and out of that because it, it, takes, it takes a continuation. It, it takes a focus. We were instructed in the New Testament to fix our eyes on the prize. Don't, 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 don't focus on the past. Fix your eyes on the prize. Jesus Christ, the author, which is the beginning and the finisher, of our faith. So we, 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 we've got to have continuity in our walk with Jesus, not in and out, not up and down. Although there will be up and downs, even the downs, we can have joy. Amen. That don't mean we, we, we like it. We, 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 we spoke three weeks on the cave experiences. No fun. But man, it's a lot better than the wilderness experience. Unity. If we're going to have revelation, which brings revolution, which will bring revival, we must look at the model that we have here and not duplicate the model, kind of like the Lord's Prayer. What a beautiful model that is. But it wasn't designed for us to just keep repeating over and over again. What a beautiful model we have of how we can create an environment that is attractive for the Holy Spirit to come and move in our midst. If you want to go deeper, say amen. They were united. Let's look at four ways. If you're taking notes, I would ask you to write this down. They were united in their purpose. They were united in their purpose. They were united in their purpose. If you're using your Bible, I would ask you to just flip a page to the left and go to Acts chapter 1. 
and read with me, please, verse 4 and 5. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, that's when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. That gift is the Holy Spirit of God. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in, a, in just a few days you will be you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You can uh, read a little more in depth about that in in the book of Luke, which is not a coincidence. Luke wrote the book of Acts. So there's there's a lot of correlation there. But they they were united in purpose. You say, Jeff, what was the purpose? And this is what is kind of where... I get derailed sometimes, and I see ministries get derailed, churches get derailed, parachurch ministries get derailed, um, 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 whether they be um, the arts or, or like Sarah's recovery ministry. I'm not saying this, she's guilty of this. I'm, I'm saying all the ministries, we, we, can, we, can, we can get in trouble when we're not on the same purpose and the purpose that they were in unity together, do you you know what it was? Tell me if you know. How were they united in purpose? What were they told to do? Wait, 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 wait. They were united in purpose because they were all willing to obey, to go, and then wait. Does anybody else hate that? God will give you an idea, and most of the time when God gives you an idea, he doesn't mean execute it 30 seconds after he gives it to you. Let me help you with a biblical example. This is going to be super simple. Joseph. Old Testament Joseph, not Jesus' earthly daddy. God gave him visions of who he was going to become, and in his immaturity and in his zeal, I mean, I ain't going to be like wagging my finger at him. In his zeal and excitement, he went to share what it was that was going to happen and what he was going to do. Basically, he just, man, he just, he came out of the gate too fast. And he went and he told his family that, man, I got the best news you're ever going to hear. You're all going to bow down to me. But that, that's, A, that, that doesn't sound like good news. Uh, B, it sounds like horrible news when you're telling it to your brothers. Amen. <laughs> so they were united in purpose, and that purpose was to wait. And that same trait should mark the church of Jesus Christ, but it should mark living water. The, when, when, when people come to me with an idea 
I, 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 I'm, I'm as excited as you are. I'm as excited to hear it as you are to tell it. But generally, I don't say, awesome, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, let's launch this thing. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It, 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 now, if the, if the Spirit spoke to us and, and we, our spirit bore witness with each other and we knew that was what we were supposed to do, that's a whole different story. But the lost art, I think, that staves the hand of God is the gift of waiting. The purpose they had, they weren't given an assignment to do anything except wait. I love what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, chapter 1, verse 27. I don't know if it's in your notes or not. Um, it may be. If not, just listen, write it down. It says, above all, above all. So now that, that, that statement alone, is that should get your attention. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Conducting yourselves in a matter in, in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Pause. Above all, now I, you 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 know you you're here because you trust me and thank you. I'm I'm humbled by that, and I mean that sincerely. But now I I want to ask you because I've had to ask me, and if I got to ask me, I'm going to ask you. Above all, today, above all, above all, above your comfort, above your expectation of the day, above your plans, above your dreams, above even your callings, above what you think God wants to do with you, uh, uh, above all, have you and I lived as citizens of heaven and conducted ourselves worthy of the good news about Jesus Christ? Don't answer that. Likewise, don't think what I just asked you was, are you perfect? Because one of the ways that you can live and conduct yourself as citizens of heaven in a manner worthy of the good news about Jesus Christ is when you do fail, there's repentance immediately. You don't, you, you, don't, you don't have a I'm not ready to forgive moment. Jesus didn't have, he never had that. There's, there, there's, there's, there's nothing about heaven that says that, that we have written and that we know about where it says there is a waiting period where you are allowed not to forgive. It just doesn't happen. So above all, you and I have to, we have to be on point and unified in this matter of being on purpose. We, 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 we've, we've got to live on purpose, not on accident, on purpose. And, and, and that purpose was waiting in the case of the early church. Continuing in verse 27, then... I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, 
fighting together for the faith which is the good news. I'll read that now continuously. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves as in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, then, then. So, so if, you, if you ask yourself the question, have I, lived, have I conducted myself today in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? If, if, you, if you said yes to that, you got, this is great news because you're going to be a catalyst for revival at this church if we'll all get on board with what you're doing. Above all, you've got to live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, then I'll know that you're ready. Then I'll know that you're standing together. Then I'll know that you're standing together with one spirit. Then I'll know, God says, that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Their one purpose was waiting. Then I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together. Not fighting against each other, fighting together. The key, though, is living your life day in and day out in a way that you would be identified as a citizen of heaven because we have conducted ourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. Man, I just love that. They were united in purpose. Everything we do, we should do on purpose. We've got to work together for the glory of God on purpose. We each have different functions and different giftings in the church. You can read it in 1 Corinthians 12. But we should all have the same goal or purpose, and that is to bring glory to God through the different functions and giftings. You can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me put it like this, and we'll go to number two. Satan is a divider. I said Satan is a divider. And we know that. That's, that's, the, that's the, the bummer part about it is we know that. We, we know that. Man, that's his gig, man. That is his M.O. That is the only thing on his resume. Because he cannot have our spirit. I said he cannot have our spirit. Amen. We've been redeemed, bought with a price. Hallelujah. But, 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 but. He can be a divider. You can read that in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. But Christ is a unifier. When we are all focused on the same thing, on the same purpose, it doesn't mean we're all clones. It doesn't mean we all look alike, act alike. We, there should be a, a, a wide array of diversity in the house of God, in, in, in the church of God. But Christ will unify us together. Satan tries to divide and Christ is trying to pull us all together so that we can be united on purpose. See, see, see we, 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 we will not 
We will not have the mindset and create the environment that, that enabled God to send the spirit of the living God to earth if we're not unified in purpose. And we must start with acting as if we are citizens of heaven because we are. This isn't our home. We, we, we shouldn't be one foot in and one foot out. It just doesn't work that way. You can do it, but you will fail miserably at anything you try to do for Jesus. And, and you can write that down and say, I said so when you're talking to the devil about it. They were united in purpose. Secondly, they were united in prayer. Of course you know this. Again, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, must be read. They all met together. Now get this, please. Notice it. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several of the other women and the brothers of Jesus. They all met together, were constantly united in prayer. They prayed together. They prayed with each other. They prayed for each other. Jeff, Jeff, why is it that, why is it that there are some that seem so united and some that are so divided in terms of, the body of Christ, specifically the, the local body of Christ, the, 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 the local church, Bible teaching, sin, hate, and church, the, 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 the key is that we are praying with and for each other. Now, 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 I hope you see the progression here. What should we be praying for, first and foremost? What should we be praying for? Tell me. Unity in purpose. Yeah. Unity in purpose. That I need to be praying. I need to be praying that, that, that Kim and Reg and Jeremy and Chancy and Holly, that they are living in a manner that they are worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because without that, that anointing cannot fall. Without that, you listen, we will be running our own agenda. Amen. I don't want to run my own agenda. I don't want all the ones I named to run their own agenda. I, what I want is unity and purpose. And, and, and we all got to get on board with God's purpose. I don't think anything can build unity in a church like praying. Carrying one another's burdens through prayer. Church family. And I know I even got asked because I brought it up a couple of times why I ask or, or why I said what I said in regards to when we pray for each other. 
in church. I, I don't know when you were told that you weren't allowed to be heard when you pray in church. I don't know, I don't know when you were told that we need to pray in secret. I don't, I don't know when you were told that God only can hear a whisper. I don't, I don't know when. Listen, our prayers lifted up to heaven, the power in the tongue of life and death, our prayers create breakthrough for miracles to take place in the church. Amen. Our prayers create breakthrough in individuals' lives. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't. There's nothing, you're not sinning, but I, I just, I, I don't understand the sense of urgency to me when I'm praying for someone that I know needs chains to be broken off of them, regardless of what it is. I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I know if there was a spider crawling up their neck, I'm not going to just be super chill about it. Right? Answer, answer me this, please. Why, why are we so embarrassed by that? Now, can God hear a silent prayer? Of course. That's what praying without ceasing. I don't expect you to stand up in a board meeting and, and you know, Heavenly Father, you know. If you're told to do that, do that. I'm just saying, when you're praying for another believer in, the, in what I hope to be the safest place you can find in this city, it's the reason we call it a sanctuary, amen, outside of your own home, here should be the place where you are praying. Why, 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 do we, why, do, why are we so quiet? Someone answer that. I'm, I'm, I'm being genuine. Somebody tell me why we're so quiet. But be honest. I don't, want to, I don't need Sunday school answers. We don't have time. 7.44. So tell me why we're so daggone quiet when it comes to praying for our brothers and sisters in the church. Afraid of being judged? What else? What's that, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. I'm, I'm not, I mean, there's no right and wrong. I'm, I'm asking questions. Right? Fair enough. I, I, I just, I just, and maybe I just process data weird. Actually, I know I do, but I, it, it, it is 
to me somehow fundamentally it 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 just doesn't line up we're not i'm i'm not necessarily saying that you at the top of your lungs start sharing what someone has intimately and privately told you about that's not what i'm talking about I, I, I am talking about, we just read in Acts chapter 2 that when the, the Spirit was on and in these individuals, it got so loud in that place. And you're like, well, it was the wind. It was the wind that was loud. The wind, no doubt, was loud. But the wind wasn't constant. The wind ceased and they began, as they were praying, they began to speak in the other languages. And it was so loud that it drew others to them, which enabled them then to share the good news of Jesus Christ. There's something empowering about praying. Not screaming, just praying aloud, cutting through the darkness. There's something encouraging when you hear someone pray. I used to stand outside of my daddy's bedroom door. He would get phone calls. People would ask him to pray. I never knew for what. I wasn't on the other end of the conversation or involved in the conversation, nor did he tell me what it was about. But I remember he would go to his bedroom and I would stand outside the door as dad fell on his knees beside his bed and he would begin to pray. And as he would begin to pray, he would get louder, louder, it would get more authoritative. It became prayers that were just saturated with confidence in his God that the prayer would be answered. I, that marked me for life, hearing my daddy pray. Just pray that we can be delivered from the concerns of being so dignified that we don't want to look foolish. I like what you, so, what you said, Michelle. You said, afraid of praying the wrong thing. <clears throat> Many times, <clears throat> if you're praying, like if I, if I, if I say, hey, hey, um, hey Rob, God's telling me you need to pray with Reggie. It's, it's not because... Rob's got a laundry list of everything Reggie needs prayer about. So how, 
and, and, I, and I agree with you. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not even remotely disagreeing. I totally agree with you. But we've got to change our mindset because it is impossible to pray wrong if you're praying for the blessing of a brother and for change. God knows what the chains are. If, if, if it is something that you have been given permission to pray aloud about that, that the person who needs the prayer understands that if we will lift our voice in concert to God, it moves his heart. That's different. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you can pray wrong. I, correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle, I, but I think, I, think, I think what you're alluding to is if God speaks something to you to pray for someone about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure, sure. It, totally. And if you if you're like, okay, I feel like God wants me to come over here, man, and I pray for Sarah that whatever. Her shoulder stops hurting. I, I don't know. And and, and 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 we pray. If that does nothing more than mark you for being obedient that can't be wrong that can't be wrong it's impossible because our number one priority is to be obedient that is the beginning of being right with God is being obedient I want to challenge you to pray aloud I just want to challenge you with that. We need to be in unity and unified in prayer if for no other reason, and there are a myriad of reasons, but for no other reason than so that we can carry each other's burdens. Galatians says, dear brothers and sisters, if any, if another believer is overcome by a sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. There's that element of sharing burdens. There's that element of letting your tongue speak life. Not letting your tongue share something that was intimately said to you in private. Letting your tongue speak life and shatter the darkness. Amen. There is a bond that will develop in the church. Amen. They were united in purpose. They were united in prayer. Now, again, please don't miss the progression. Because of that, they were united in power. They created an environment that welcomed the Spirit of God, which enabled them to work with a united front, and they did it with power. Acts chapter 2, 
verse 3 and 4, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. The unity of the early church, watch this, the unity of the early church came about because they were all right with God. They were all filled with the Spirit of God. And this unity produced incredible miracles because of the power that the unity brought. Unity was the vehicle that the Holy Spirit used. Say, well, well, some of the the things. Well, I I know you know, I'm going to remind you, Acts 2.11, they preach the same message. Both Jews and those who were converted, the Gentiles that were converted to follow Jesus. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Acts 2.11, Cretans, Arabs, And we all hear these people speaking in our own language. So they spoke the same message. Spoke the same message. They believe the same things. This this is where we get a little messed up. Doesn't mean we got to agree on everything. Can somebody say amen? But if we differ in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning of the gospel to the end of if we disagree there, unity cannot happen. Doesn't mean we can't work together. Don't mean we can't do some things together. But for an environment that welcomes the Spirit of God, Acts 2.41 says those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. All the believers, I said all the believers, your Bible says that. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. What happened when the people were unified in purpose and in prayer, and then were empowered? What happened was, it allowed the apostles, the, the church leaders, if you will, and, 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 and others did miraculous things as well. But in this instance, in the beginning of the early church, when this was kind of fresh and new, it enabled the apostles because they didn't have to keep going back over from the beginning every time they preached. <laughs> Because what happened was, we just read it, that all the people lived out what the apostles were teaching. They were united in the teaching. They were united. They were united. And because of that unity, they were able to perform miraculous signs and wonders. God, I I want that. Finally, they loved the same thing. 
They loved it. Verse 46 and 47, they worshiped together. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Thank you, Jesus. See, I understand, and I know you do too, but I want to remind us that one of the challenges in the church is that many of us are at different stages of our spiritual development. That's okay. You, 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 you don't punish a baby because they're a baby. I'm a genius. You don't punish a baby. It's okay that we're in different levels and different stages in our walk with Jesus. Some are saved, but they are extremely immature. There's growing to do. Some are saved. They recognize the need for growing, so they are doing everything they can to live worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some are saved and spirit-filled. Some are saved, and they die a little more every day. Others are not saved And this is the category I fell into. We're not saved, but just went on to see how this was going to end. And it wasn't until February the 21st, 1983, that Jesus Christ grabbed my heart and I said yes to him, although raised in church since I was five, it wasn't until... I crossed that threshold of about 21, 20, that I realized I, there was a need for Jesus in my life, that I couldn't fake it any longer. And when all of the church folks, hear me please, when all of the church folks who know the relationship with Jesus is broken if it exists at all. When, when that unity creates the power which enables the spirit of conviction to come, when you see church leaders saved, when you see charter members of churches saved, when, when you see all walks of life come to know Jesus, you know you're on to something. You are doing something right, and that is being unified. If you are here, I don't care what anyone thinks about where you are with Jesus. If you are living and you have continual habitual sin in your life, you need to not wait until the end of the day or the end of the sentence, you need to be repenting to Jesus to forgive you and to save your soul and begin on a path to holiness. 
That's the sense of urgency I have. See, it, 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 makes, it makes it difficult in a family because of the different levels. In, in, in the physical, natural family, it, it, it's, it's tough when you got a little one and then you got a 17-year-old. It's tough. I, I, I know in children's ministry, when we did children's ministry, Kim and I, and, and, and I know Holly and Chancey and probably everybody in this room volunteers in children's ministry somehow, somewhere, some way. It, it is, it is, it's difficult when you've got eighth graders in the same room as third graders. We try to create an environment where that's not the case. But that causes a weird dynamic. It, it, it creates a little confusion, if you will. It's, it's the same thing in the family of God, but there is no way around it. But here's what I know. Regardless of where you are, it is God's will. See, don't worry about what your calling is. You need, you should, you should probably, you should probably just put a Put your ministry in park for a minute and, and, just, and just figure out where we are with Jesus and, and get unified and the will of God for your life is that we would live worthy of the gospel day in, day out, with a short leash on sin, with a repentant heart in humility and being filled with the spirit of the living God. Ephesians 5 verse 18. I'll begin to close. <laughs> you don't owe me explanation, baby. But it makes sense. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Do I need to say that again? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I want to say it again. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's learn something very quickly. I learned this, uh, Kim and I, we were blessed to be able to go through a precepts Bible study on a couple different books, and we learned in the Greek language of all the tenses and all the verbs and the blah, 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 and it all makes sense and it all helps when you're reading the Bible, and there was more than just the blah, blah part. I, it just was, there's, we just, it was mind-exploding stuff. Be filled is written in the present tense, imperative mood, passive voice. That means nothing to you unless you really want to know what it means. Because you can say, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and not know what that means. So just give me a couple more minutes because this is so important. The phrase be filled in the original language means literally. It means nothing except 
To be completely controlled. To be completely controlled. It is in the present tense. It indicates continued action, something that happens continually or repeatedly. Be completely controlled by the Spirit continuously over and over. It's in the imperative mood. It's a command, not an option. When you understand what is being said by Paul, don't be drunk with wine. It'll ruin your life. Instead, be completely controlled by the Spirit of God not once, not twice, something that happens continually, repeatedly, and God's not asking your opinion on it. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. In the name of Jesus, I declare it's a command. And it's in the passive voice. Jeff, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. I had to dig hard in my notes to find this. The subject is acted upon by the verb. The subject is acted upon by the verb. The subject, saved people, is no longer performing the action of the verb, be filled. The subject is acted upon by the verb. The subject, people, is no longer performing the action of the verb, be filled. Rather, it's being acted upon by the verb. In other words, the subject in the passive voice is no longer the doer of the action, but the recipient of the action. You you can't do anything to be filled with the Spirit except be open to it and live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, 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 You must be empowered. You've got to know you need it. You ask God for it. You say, why would I do that? Because it's a command. That's why. When he controls you, when he controls me, then we walk together in unity for his glory, not for any other reason. They were united in purpose, prayer, power. Um, I end this study with number four. They were united in the way they performed. And I only chose that because it had a P. I didn't want to use perform, daggone it. But look at what they did. Verse four, and everyone present was filled And then they did stuff. Started with speaking in other languages. Each individual present was doing their part and they were busy about it. God saved no one since the beginning of time to sit and do nothing. God saved you to serve And to stop complaining. He delivered you from Egypt. Stop complaining. If you live under a bridge and you know Jesus, you're better off than you were lost. He did not save anyone to do nothing. He saved you to serve. Well, I, man, I don't have to, man, I can't communicate. I'm not a communicator. I'm not a, mus- a musician. I, 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 I can't 
right. I can't draw. I, 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 man, I don't know. I can't, I can't do anything. I'm so limited. No, 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 no. When you are filled with the Spirit, it's not you doing it anyway. So you can talk about your limitations, and to be quite honest, you're really praising Satan pretty hardcore. Instead, understand that you want to be open for the Spirit of God to work through you so that we can create a revolution which will turn into a revival. God help us see it. If you need to know more about that, Ephesians 2, James 2. A faith that won't serve, hear me, and I'm done. A faith that will not serve. A faith that continues to complain. A faith that is never satisfied. A faith that continually is not happy and content with where they are. A faith like that is not faith at all i would further say a faith that won't serve isn't real period take it up with james do you understand that no task is unimportant no 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 prayer is too small no word of encouragement is 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 is, is words that fall to the floor do you not understand that i'm talking to the church i ain't talking to any individuals listen it's a clarion call for you and i to get off of our backside stop being afraid to pray make ourselves open for the filling of the spirit and you know what if God does something unexpected or freakishly wild that you've never seen in your life then shout the daggone house down don't shut it down because you're afraid of what anyone will think let it go let it go let it go I know it's August. Well, before you know it, we're going to have little things that fall from the sky that my grandkids like catch on their tongue. They're called snowflakes. For some, I just swore in church. I personally like the snow. Chancy loves the snow. <laughs> he probably hated feeding the cows in the snow. <laughs> but he probably, under his breath, laughs at us in our little snowstorms. A snowflake is so fragile. A snowflake is unique in its own way. But a snowflake, you touch it, it's gone. A snowflake sometimes will dissipate before it even hits the ground. A snowflake can just float around, do nothing. Many times, 
it can snow, and the snowflakes can fall, and you get up the next morning and you don't even realize it had fallen. But when a bunch of snowflakes get together and begin to operate together and move together, a snowflake on its own can't do jack squat. But a snowflake joined with a bunch of other snowflakes all doing the same thing stops traffic dead. Shuts down cities, closes business businesses, changes direction of people's lives. I hope you're hearing this. Stop being the one snowflake and let's create a blizzard together of like-minded unity of purpose and prayer, and power, and it will then give us the confidence and ability to perform the works of Jesus Christ, thus making us worthy of his gospel. Jesus, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for making it so clear. Father, fill us with the Spirit. No, 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 God. God, I repent of that. God, I ask you to forgive me. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Oh, but I can't pray that you do something in their life that they're not willing to pray for. I pray a spirit of conviction right now, God, that men and women who know, as David knew in Psalm 51 because he slept with Bathsheba and murdered her husband, he knew that anointing could get snatched from him so fast it wasn't even funny. So he prayed, don't take your spirit from me. God, I pray that those of us in this room that know that our attitude or our sinful nature or our our behavior, whatever it is that gets in the way of us living as citizens of heaven, I pray, God, that you would light a fire inside of them that would cause them to run to an altar, thus giving themselves up as a living sacrifice, calling on the name of Jesus to forgive them of their sin. God, I pray, make it so, so that in unity we can move, and in unity we create an environment where the Spirit of God comes and fills us and flows in us and through us and we will not be afraid to lift up the name of Jesus or pray aloud or speak to someone that we don't know just to say that Jesus loves them. May we put everything on hold until we learn how to get a hold of the power of the Holy Spirit of God through prayer, through purpose in Jesus name 
Amen and amen.